So I met Amanda about six months ago. Um, she was brand new to F45 and I was brand new to F45. Uh, F45 is a gym, right? It's functional fitness. The thing is, Amanda came in as a client and I came in as an employee and not a trainer. Let me just clarify that up front. I'm not a trainer. I am not well-versed in training or in nutrition. <laughs> My job is entirely behind the scenes. But I met Amanda on a night that we were doing a nutritional question and answer. And my job was to record the whole thing and to chop it up into usable pieces for marketing. And I remember sitting down and listening to the questions. And when it came around to Amanda, she said, okay, well, I have been coming here for six days and I've come here for six days straight and I don't see any kind of change. And my first instinct was to turn off the camera and to give her the, oh, bless your heart, <laughs> you know, the that sympathy look and empathy look, and then give her some advice that I had come up with. You know, the unsolicited advice that, that people like to give, especially people who don't know the answer. Yeah, that was going to be me. But I knew my job well enough to not turn off the camera and to not say anything. Um, because even to this day, I cannot tell you what can be done in six days. I really can't. But the thing about it is, I remembered that because I, I thought, wow, she's, you know, it's so sweet of her to think that the whole world is going to be totally different in six days. Well, fast forward, maybe about three months. I hadn't seen Amanda a whole lot because I didn't go to that location when she was there. And I walked in one day and there she was very different from the first time I had met her. She was stronger. She was lighter on her feet. She just looked happier and it could have just been that day. And I was, I said, you know what? You look so different than you did three months ago. You look stronger. And every time I saw her after that, like she had toned up more. She was, she did everything about it. Everything about her had changed and it was a positive change. Now, skip over to my life. Plenty of times I've done the F45 workout with no no level of consistency. I will admit that because I, you know, I've got things to do. <laughs> but the thing about it is I go in once, 45 minutes, I come out and I think, boy, when I wake up tomorrow, I better be down by like one or two pounds, one or two pounds. Everything. Well, if that was the case, I would weigh almost nothing by now. Okay, that's a lie. That's a total exaggeration. But the thing is, I have always been impatient with those kind of results. And I think a lot of people are impatient with the results that they get in their life. But I've learned from Amanda by watching her, but also from the conversation that we had, that life has to be deliberate. You need to wake up each day and be willing to make the choice to live the life that you want to live. Her story is a beautiful story of recovery. And today we celebrate today, the 10th of February, marks four years for her being sober. That to me is a big deal. And that to her is a big deal because nothing is that easy to accomplish. Four years of staying away from things that are harmful. And the thing about it is that when Amanda and I talk, and it'll come up in our conversation, but we've talked many times before because we're actually, we're friends. And one of the things that I know for sure is that 
all of us, we all have things, all have pain that we mask or that we hide with some form, some form of, I, I don't know if addiction is the right word, but there's something. I remember when I was, uh, when I was in my early 20s and I had gotten on my high horse, my righteous high horse. I hadn't realized that I was up there, but I'd gotten in the habit of calling my siblings. Now I'm the youngest and I would call them and I would call them to repentance to the point that by my mid twenties, none of my brothers and sisters wanted to talk to me. They would skip my calls. They did not. I mean, we, we just, it was just silent. Or if they answered the phone, they would immediately be defensive and yell at me. And I remember I was telling one of them that um, they, he specifically needed to change everything in his life. And he shot back with, you know, the things that you think I'm doing, you do the same thing and you just do it with food. Food is an addiction. Okay, and so first of all, he hurt my feelings. <laughs> and second of all, he was right. It was easy to hide behind food every time times got rough and times were always rough. So now, I mean, it's, it's been years since we had that conversation and we only had that conversation once because after my feelings were hurt, then, <laughs> then I went ahead and put my horse back in the stable and had to re-examine my life. But, um, after after we had that, there have been plenty of times that I've looked at myself and I've said, you know what? When I don't want to be seen, I hide. And this is the way I hide. And it's hard to show up every single day and to make a choice that you're not going to do those things to mask your pain and that you're going to just sit in it and accept it and then solve it. I am not a master at it. But I'm grateful for people like Amanda who set the example of what that looks like and remind me that it can be done. So enjoy our conversation. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I'm like Tuesday, no Wednesday, no Thursday. Yeah, it's Monday. Mo- Monday's the 10th, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 10 years. No. I mean, four, <laughs> year, four years on the 10th. <laughs> on the 10th. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Tell me about that. Four years ago, what happened? Oh, man. Um, So a week before I got sober, I remember I woke up and I could not stop crying. Just tears were just flowing. And Where were you? Were you home? For me? No, I was actually, um, I mean, yeah, I was was at home, I guess. Um, I was staying with a boyfriend um, and that that's a whole nother story unhealthy relationship but um yeah I just remember waking up that day and um I was still in bed and you know in fear of what the the day had in store for me because you know for a heroin addict uh you know you you need that drug to get out of bed you get to a point where it's like you can't even function the day but um yeah I just remember I woke up and I was really just I feel like that was just truly my spirit was broken and um I had reached out to a friend and I was just like hey I need help um and I think that was just I was just exhausted I was tired and I was ready it was my idea I wanted to get sober and so um 
so yeah, that's what happened. A, year, uh, a week later, I found myself in treatment, so... I'm going to make you rewind because yeah. I want to really understand this. You just, you woke up one day crying. Was there something that led up to that? Had um, you been waking up every day and feeling like, uh uh-uh, I gotta, I got to change something? No, no. In fact, that was... By the way, that is a that, really cute shirt. Oh, thanks, girl. God bless um, the Divas. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, no, not really. Um, I mean this had been going on I mean I had really been in active addiction for 16 years it started when I was 14 um the opiate use didn't start until I was about 20 21 Mm -hmm. um and there were two other times where I had gotten off of the drugs um but I continued to drink um and so that just kind of kept that that part of my brain active um and it just would lead me right back to the drugs but um yeah, I, I, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, so no, no, I had never really, you know, woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. So this last time, like I said, I had gotten off the drugs twice, but continued to drink. Mm-hmm. This last time, um, I just found myself doing everything that I said I wouldn't do. And, you know, I was doing things that to get my fix and um things I'm not proud of and so yeah wow okay so then you just woke up one day and you and that was it you were broken Mm -hmm. spirit broken probably a, a month before leading up to that yeah like I said I was doing some stuff that just wasn't um went against all of my values and today that scares the shit out of me because it's like when I am loaded I am capable of anything mm-hmm. um and I was just you know just on a path of I knew that I was either gonna die or I was gonna go back to prison which that's where my addiction led me twice um you said prison you didn't say jail there are so there's a difference. So so I had, back in 2010, I had gone to jail for a substantial amount of time. I mean, two months is, you know, that's a long time. And um, I, I got into a program called Drug Court. And, you know, still, once again, I was manipulating the system. You're not mm-hmm. supposed, you're supposed to be sober when you're on probation. And, right. All of that, and I ended up getting a DUI while I was in that drug court program and um, got sent to prison because they were just done, you know. I kept getting in trouble. I kept getting caught drinking and, you know, and so I actually ended up getting a DUI on GHB, the date rape drug. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so that's when the judge was just like, no, sorry. So I went to prison, and I did 10 months that first time, and I got out. Okay. Yeah, I got out, and I I got right back into the unhealthy relationship that I was in, which me and that boy, that boyfriend and I, we got in trouble originally um, on some serious charges, and that's why... Um, I got sent to prison was, you know, on those original charges. Yeah. It was a distribution charge because I was yeah. selling to support my habit yeah. when I got into heroin. And um, so, yeah, so I did that 10 months and I got out and I got right back with that boyfriend. And I was high probably three weeks after I got out. And 
I was out for nine months on parole and I just couldn't stay clean. I couldn't stay clean. I was in that unhealthy relationship and it just, yeah, every time I drug tested for my parole officer, um, it was, it was a positive test. And so I think the third one, he was just done. And so I went back for the second time to prison and I think I did four months that time and I got out and um, you know once again I, I was able to the the good thing about that was I was able to leave that unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. just to get out to get in another unhealthy relationship that was like my pattern you know it was so okay is it mm-hmm. are you gonna be okay if I ask about the relationship ask yep ask away Tell me about the relationship then. What was, what was, okay, how long had you been with this guy? So this relationship, I believe we were together for three years. Mm-hmm. And the whole time it was just, you know, revolved around drugs. Got it. Revolved around drugs. Um, you know, we, we were selling to support our habit. And we ended up, a girl that we went to high school with, um, she, and bless her heart like I, I've you know we talk now and she's actually comes to me for advice because she's struggling now but she actually um it was a controlled buy mm-hmm. and she was oh. the one who did it yeah. yeah and so um so yeah so that's how we got in trouble together and like I said our whole relationship just revolved around around the drugs you know, yeah. we weren't faithful to each other and we were young, yeah. you know, young yeah. and not in our right mind. We were both loaded and, um, so yeah. So there, I mean, there was really, it was the drugs running all things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So why did you go back to him when you got out? At what, at what point did you realize this is bad? Because, you know, you can say this is an unhealthy relationship and that means like a myriad of things to a lot of different people. I think, honestly, I think that second time I went back to prison, I knew that he was still out there doing his thing, getting high, and, you know, yeah, he he didn't, you know, when you're locked up, you, you know, if you don't have money in there, like, you don't have hygiene stuff, you don't get commissary, and I was just really pissed off that, like, he didn't send me any money and all of that. And that's just was me being selfish and self-centered because he wasn't in his right mind. He might have had your back. Yeah. and He he, he could have had your back. For sure. And and I feel like in ways he did. But when I got my mind right and, you know, once I was done withdrawing cold turkey and maximum security in prison, that that was horrible. It was horrible. Um, You know, I got my mind right, and I was just like, this is never going to work out. And still to this day, he is not sober. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Um, He is not sober. And, um, yeah, I just realized that it was just never going to work out. And I was like, I think for for a split moment, I wanted something better. in my life um and being sober today like I realized when I got sober four years ago I realized okay it was drugs and alcohol but my number one addiction was the unhealthy relationships right that's what I'm hearing (laughs) I'm like okay the drugs were a way to Mm -hmm. kind of make that you know not be as terrible as they are but also Mm -hmm. part of the cycle well and 
also I you know looking back and after doing all the work like it it goes back to my childhood of you know okay you know that was coming next (laughs) so explain that to me what happened so I come from a broken home um my mother and my biological father had me at a young age my mom was 18 and um they just had a really unhealthy relationship it was abusive um in every way possible and um, I never remember my parents being together in fact I lived with my grandma from the time I was a little baby until I think I was like six um and so my grandparents like you know are everything to me and um I feel so, like if anyone fought for you during definitely this whole life, grandma it was yeah grandma and grandpa for sure um yeah. And so, yeah, so my mom remarried when I was six, and he actually adopted me. So he raised me. He was mm-hmm. in my life, you know, my whole life. And, you know, my biological father, he was in and out mm-hmm. my whole life. And that was hard because, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with um, my their my mom that my parents relationship you know and that was hard because I felt like I was stuck in the middle of it and you know I grew up thinking like well why doesn't my dad want me why doesn't you know mm-hmm. and it was a lot of a lot of that and I I feel like looking back I was really resentful towards my mom and so I rebelled I mean before I ever even picked up a drink or a drug those addict alcoholic behaviors were there I mean, in sixth grade, I smoked a whole pack of cigarettes within like an hour with my friend who is an alcoholic as well, you know? And so I just, yeah, I just felt, I just felt abandoned. And so I think that that's where the unhealthy relationships as I got older, you know, I, I just tried way too hard and I was attracting what I was, you know, if that makes any sense. It does make sense, but what are you talking about? So, you know, I, I just, I was that person that, you know, I was dishonest. I was um, selfish, self-seeking, just all of those things. And, you know, anyone that gave me attention, I held on to that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was a lot of attention seeking from men. And so, which led me into unhealthy relationships that revolved around alcohol and drugs. Have you gone to therapy? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of this sounds like you've, you've worked through. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. when I got sober, I did two months inpatient treatment, um, at a residential facility. Um, and then I got out and did an outpatient mm-hmm. treatment for like seven or eight months and lived in a sober living with other women, which that was like my first year of, uh, recovery and it was amazing seriously like the best year of my life I mean I wish people could see the smile on your face it was so so amazing and and rewind a little bit so when I got out of prison that second time I was able to break away from that three-year relationship all to get into another relationship I met this guy at the bar and we ended up being together for three years and that was an unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. Um, he wasn't an addict um he he drank um but yeah I just I started using in that relationship and I well I felt like I was hiding it from him Mm -hmm. 
but you know he was sick in other ways um you know and i think my sickness fed off of his sickness and so right. it was just a super unhealthy relationship and when i got sober i was able to to leave that and like thank god for therapy um the amazing treatment center that i went to because it's like no i am worthy of love and i am worthy of someone treating me with respect and you know we teach people how to treat us and i didn't know how to teach people to treat me okay tell me about that that's a big thing um so how did you learn that you actually teach people how to treat you this is all through therapy through treatment um you know listening to the suggestions of other people that had been through i what i had been through um, Did you have some sort of like big moment where you're like, oh, I, oh, oh, I see what I did. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, a couple minutes ago I said I was attracting what I was, mm -hmm. you know, I was not a faithful person in a relationship. I was not honest. I was not, you know, and I was totally oblivious to how I was treating people. I mean, I would even, like I just said, I was I am very close with my grandparents and I would lie to them about, you know, just menial stuff to big stuff. Yes. Yeah. And it just didn't, it didn't click like, Oh, this is wrong. Like you, mm -hmm. you should not treat people like this, you know, that you care about. And that's just my brain being hijacked by all of the substances that, you know, I was on. But yeah. Um, yeah, when it dawned on me, you know, hey, I get to treat, I get to teach people how to treat me. Um, you know, I was in treatment and I was doing some work on myself and I was just looking at the relationships that I had been been in. And even like with the, the relationship with my mother and when I got sober, that was not... That like, could not have been easy. My or mom, a healthy relationship. Yeah, my mom and I did not... I mean, we didn't like each other. We loved each other, but we did not like each other. I mean, there was even one Thanksgiving where her and I had almost gotten into a fist fight. Like, it was bad. I was just ruining every relationship around me. And like I said, you know, it was, yeah, it was just self-destruction everywhere. Every, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so today my mom and I have a really good relationship so so yeah and yeah it's just been a, a gift to be able to build those relationships back, back up back up even yeah. my biological dad you know yeah there was a lot of resentment there and yeah. so it's I've been able to work through all of that and make my amends to them because even though I was resentful like I still you know it, it was a two-way thing it, it always is it always is even if you feel like you're the one who was wrong the most Somehow, something you did played into that, mm. for the most part, right? So go back to, you learned that you teach people how to treat you. How did that, how, did, is that what was part of the process of uh, breaking up with the, the not so good relationship that came after the not so good mm. relationship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. What, was, what what tipped you off there? What did you see? What did you... So, like I said, I feel like my sickness, sickness was feeding off of his sickness. And when I got sober, he 
he liked what he saw and that was the healthy Amanda the yeah. sober Amanda is this the, the Amanda that was now living in the facility that was separate from everyone yeah yeah this is the beginning of the four years mm-hmm yep oh. right when I got sober so they would do like a family night they do mm-hmm. a family night when you're in residential yeah. treatment and they would come and yeah he just was starting to see someone that he didn't know and you know someone that was sober and Mm -hmm. in their right mind and um yeah and he started just to get controlling and like oh you're not gonna hang out with so-and-so and and oh I'm going to take credit for all the work you've done and so now let me manage your life for you oh my gosh exactly you couldn't have said it better Yes. He was like, do you know how many nights? Okay, now I'm all mad. I'm ready to fight somebody. Okay. It was, and I'm just like, okay. And it was like, I mean, he'd go on these trips without me, and he'd hang out with all these other women and go out to the bar and all of that, all while I'm off, you know, Mm -hmm. doing heroin and smoking crack, which he didn't do. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out, like totally lie to him. Right. Anyway, it's amazing yeah. how how fair and balanced your perspective is. Yeah. It's like I wasn't right, he wasn't right. Yeah. And there's not really blame. It's mm-hmm. just no one was right and that's the way we were living. And to be yeah, to be quite honest with you, I got sober and I wasn't even attracted to him anymore. Like I just <laughs> let that be something. <laughs> and it turns out he was trash. Oh man, you don't need Oh, I I did. I I just remember thinking what was I thinking? Like, I am not even attracted to this man anymore. And, and, you know, he just, yeah, he was trying to control my life. Tell me, he, he told, he, he actually, I remember specifically, he told me I needed to choose between him and my best friend. My best friend is also in recovery. Mm -hmm. She just celebrated five years. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, you know, he was trying to tell me, I don't think you should hang out with her because you've used with her. And it's like, well, that's not how it's going to work. Also, she's um, she's been clean a year already. Yes, and she's actually the one that I reached out to that morning I was just when the ask. tears were flowing. Yeah. I called her and I was like, "What do I do? What do I do? How are you sober? Like, how can I get help?" And she was on it. She made a few phone calls. I didn't know how to get treatment. I had never been to treatment other than the drug court program, which I was already like checked out anyway. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, let alone like inpatient treatment because that's what I needed I need I needed that you know I was so far gone in my addiction that I mean I kid you not it just you know a deep dark place I mean I was sitting in my car middle of winter and I don't know I can, can I say this you can say like, okay sitting in my car a 2000 Monte Carlo that my parent or that my grandparents sold to me for like a thousand dollars because I had wrecked all my other cars and sitting in my car by myself in the middle of winter um trying to find a vein and that's where that's where where I was I was you know I was lonely I was I was sad and like I said I was just exhausted and yeah I reached out to her and and I was just like I need help and found myself in treatment a week later and it was the best decision I ever could have made for myself what did your friend do how did she how did she get you set up 
So she got sober. Um, she actually went to jail. That's how she got sober. Um, but we had an, a mutual friend that had been to treatment a couple times. And so she was like, well, what do I do? So she called him. And um, next thing you know, I had the person, a person that worked at that treatment facility call me. And um, I remember, uh, you know, well, send me your insurance information, all of that. And at the end of the phone call, he said, I'm sorry for what you're going through. And I said, it's okay. And he said, no, it's not. And just to hear someone validate that. And he told me that he loved me. I had never met this person. And he was like, I love you. And we're going to work this out. We're going to get you help. And it's all going to be okay. And I was just like... You know, and I'm talking to this person on the phone as I'm on my way to go pick up my drugs for the day. And and that just, yeah, that that just made me feel, it's hard to describe how that made me feel, you know, just to hear someone say I love you. And um, Was that like a, a sentiment that maybe you heard but you didn't believe? Yeah, yeah, I had always struggled with that growing up, you know, um, you know, all the, um, you know, the, besides all the crazy boyfriends I had, that mm -hmm. it just, you know, I was searching for that validation and wasn't getting, you know, what I, I wasn't getting the validation, nor was I giving it, mm -hmm. you know, and so, um, and just growing up, my mom, and I like our relationship was was not that great growing up. Um, what made you not believe people? Because I'm 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 pretty sure there were people in your life from the beginning, from the very beginning, from the day you were born, who said I love you. I think it. You know, I think probably my biological dad just not. You know, being that was in the and big out. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I. I would go two, three years without even talking to him. And that was hard. That was hard growing up. And I think really my mom, the reason why our relationship was so tough is I think that she looked at me and she saw my dad. And That's a real thing that happens. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I really mean, do. I have not been through anything like what you are talking about right now. But I do know that I remind one of my parents of the other yeah. parent. <laughs> and I take a lot of flack for that because I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it all the time. And just having her, having her look at you, did she, did she hate him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was younger, I would say, you know, I wanted to see my dad. And then I had this other amazing man that she married, adopted me. Mm -hmm. I took his last name and he raised me. Amazing man. And, you know, it was, it was weird, like being f kind of forced to call someone else dad at a young right. age, you know, trying to learn how to spell my new last name at six years old. It was very confusing to me. It was very just like, well, what's going on? Where's my dad? Why doesn't he want me? Mm -hmm. And at a young age, I was told, well, your dad signed over his rights because you didn't want to pay child support. And so that kind of was just like, okay. That's the voice of an angry parent. Yes, and I was One who stuck. has their own pain and yeah. hasn't thought about how it's mm -hmm. going to translate onto a baby. 
and it was hard too because my so my mom um had my little brother when when I was about 10 um and she raised him completely different I mean you know he was a little golden child baby you know her baby mm-hmm. and my biological father has another daughter and um it's age different same she's like I think she's like 12 years younger than I am 11 or 12 and I feel like same thing you know yeah, just they had a charmed life yeah compared to yours. uh-huh and so so that was a struggle and you know today I can accept that and it's just like okay well this is where you know I get to learn and grow from my trials and, and when I have kids I'm gonna I'm gonna give them something other than what I had and my mom did mm-hmm. the best she could I know that today mm-hmm. um before I got sober I didn't know that and I just did not like her she did not like me um like I said we loved each other and up until probably two years ago maybe a year and a half ago so my grandma passed away uh November 2018 right yeah 2018 and that was rough you know she was like um, she was like my mom and all she ever wanted was for my mother and I to have a good relationship mm-hmm. and we do now today yeah. my mom and I are so close I love her she's like my best friend and I'm so grateful and I truly feel blessed that I'm able to say that today how did you heal that how did you rebuild a bridge between the two of you making effort making an effort why did you decide to build the bridge? Do you remember what it was? Oh, I it's I don't know, it's hard to put into words. I feel like it's my grandma just, you know, after my grandma passed, it's just like it just happened organically. I can't describe it. I can't and and it could be that we we're grieving the loss of my grandmother, you know. Here I am. I just lost my grandmother, who's like a mom to me. My mom just lost her mom. Mm-hmm. And it's just bonded us. And, um, you know, like I said, that's all my grandma ever wanted. You know, she'd tell me, call your mom. Go see your mom. And I just would blow it off. And, um, yeah. This means that your grandma was alive when you got sober yes yes and um she was so cute so when you're in recovery um we celebrate uh milestones right and so you pick up a chip um for your milestone and I would pick up one for myself and I would pick up one for my grandma and she was so cute she would just she had displayed the chips displayed Mm -hmm. up on her entertainment center and she called me even right up until she passed away. Um, she'd call me. She she passed away right before my three years. And she would call me, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And, you know, um, that is the biggest gift that I, I feel like I've received is to be able to to show my grandma that I can could live a, um, a life other than what I was living. Um, in recovery and just show her you know I just I'm so grateful that she was able to see me get a substantial amount of sobriety before she she left right 
and you know because she's even when I was like in the depths of my addiction she was still always just my biggest cheerleader you know I just ah and I miss her it's hard but that's like the biggest gift I feel like that I've received um in recovery is just being able to we call it uh, living amends, you know, and they do uh, the 12 steps um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, the one of the steps is making an amends to the people that you have hurt, and, you know, I mean, it just, it, you know, there's things that, you know, involved, I, I wrecked a family member's car, like I said, that was like my thing, I would get loaded and wreck cars, it was just like... <laughs> This thing I got sober, my grandma's like, you are the most horrible driver. And I'm like, I promise I'm not. When I'm sober, I can drive. And so, but yeah, I wrecked a family member's car and it was an aunt and uncle that, you know, everybody grows up and they have their favorite aunt and uncle. Yeah. This was them. And they've always loved me and treated me almost like I was their own. This is my biological father's sister. And she that that side of the family was still in your life. Oh yes, and especially these two, my aunt Kimmy, um, because my my side of the family, you know, we're also broken up because of divorces, and you know, it's yeah. And she, even with my other cousins that that their home, you know, come from a broken home, and her siblings aren't in their kids' life. My Mm -hmm. aunt Kimmy has always made an effort to be in all of our lives and when I wrecked her car under the influence that was a because I mean she was hurt yeah like she was mad she was hurt and knowing that she was hurt um yeah that 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 was tough and that shame and guilt but when I was able to make an amends to her and make an honest you know um with love uh and amends you know um I've heard she just told me I said what how can I make this right you know Mm -hmm. rather than saying I'm sorry because that's what I had always done was that I'm sorry yeah hey I I said I'm sorry I said it yeah yeah that's that's my favorite way of saying I'm sorry I said it wasn't (laughs) that enough (laughs) and instead of saying I'm sorry this time to those that I love that I love that I hurt I just said you know hey I I know I hurt you how can I make it right and when I made that amends to her and she just told me just just please stay sober you know I offered money I offered you know and and because I totaled their car and um yeah it just you know to, to make that living amends and with my grandparents and my mom to my brother and my sister you know there were countless times that my little brother because we grew up under the same roof my little sister um she lived with her mom but you know there were countless times where he walked in on me passed out or like just horrible things you know yeah, just it's a lot to take in yeah, yeah at a young age and and so I'm grateful that that they get to see this this side of me. You know what you you have made like a, a point that as soon as you said it, I was like, you know what this is this is exactly I yell at my kids all the time about you have no idea how far an apology 
will take you. Mm-hmm. But the apology is not just I'm sorry, right? Mm-hmm. It's the I absolutely know that I did something that absolutely had a negative effect on you. Well, yeah, and and I think that we can talk. We can talk all day long, you know, and mm-hmm. and express, hey, I I'm aware of you, and I'm aware that I hurt you. Yeah. But it's the action behind it. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words, and yes. you know, I used to always think, okay, well, I said this, so it's it's so it should you know, be done. It's good. We're Why good. Under the table. Why are you still mad? <laughs> you know, it's just the best. <laughs> That's like the best <laughs> attitude behind it. Yeah. I said sorry. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's all all about me. I said sorry, so you yeah. shouldn't be mad anymore. And it's yeah. like, no, you know. There had been so much hurt that I had caused people that it's it's taken time. And it's taken yeah. time to prove myself. Because like I said, you know, there were a few times where... I tried to get straight. I tried to get off the drugs. Because I think deep down, you know, I I, I didn't want to... I mean, you, you don't wake up one day and just be like, Hey, I think I'm going to go shoot heroin and... Um, you know, you don't you don't wake up. Oh, I'm I'm gonna be a heroin addict today. Yeah, first of all, it's not that easy to find. And second of all, <laughs> you'd be you gotta surprised. Learn well, no, okay, yes. You'd be Once surprised. you know, you know. But prior to not knowing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't sound that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just it's amazing. I'm just so grateful to to be in recovery and there's days where I wake up and I am anxious and I feel depressed and I'm like I don't even know why or you know and then I I have to remember like okay this is this is probably why I used is because I was running from who I was and my feelings for so So long and it's like today no I get to sit in that and I get to sit in those emotions and those feelings and feel it honor where I'm at and then move on. Tomorrow's the next day. And if I can lay my head down on the pillow before I go to sleep and I'm sober, that was a good day. That's amazing. That's amazing because that whole idea of sitting in your feelings, people have been saying that since the, I think, the late 90s. That's why I'm going to give it credit. <laughs> Without, I mean, that's a, it's like a hard concept to get your mind around. What does it mean? to sit in your feelings and experience them. What does it mean to you? Oh, man, not overreacting. Um, you know, that's what sitting in my feelings, there's times where, like, I'm so upset and I'm, like, wanting to call so-and-so or, like, I start, te- te- uh, like, typing out a text message and then I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Just don't even respond yet. Or, you know. I love that. I'm like, no, send. Okay, I got it. Don't send. Don't, don't do send. it because an hour, hour, two hours later, you're, you're going to be like, it. okay, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like I just started a new job and I was very anxious and I'm like, okay, I, I got this, you know, and it's just, it's just working through it. Working through it. I've learned to, you know, meditate and be still. And be still. Be still. Like, there's times where I get in my car and, you know, I'm anxious. I'm I'm upset over something little or, or something big. And I just, I literally, I've practiced. And it's, it's all because of what other people have taught me mm-hmm. that are in recovery, that have longer or even less time than I do. I, mm-hmm. I learned so much from 
from all of those that are around me that are in recovery, that aren't in recovery, that aren't sober, that aren't... Do you know what? I think it's because you can be still, that you can glean lessons from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, if you can just sit and close your eyes and just be still, even if it's for 10 seconds, and just take a couple deep breaths, it does wonders. And I didn't, I, I never knew how to do that. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still. I mean, even at the young age, even in elementary school, I mean, I was that kid that got separated from the class. I will always remember this. Mrs. Williams. <laughs> that's right. We're putting you yeah, on Yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Williams, fourth grade. That's, I really feel like that's when a lot of my behavioral issues started was fourth grade. I was 10 and I just, I was that social butterfly and, um, and it disrupted her world, didn't it? it? Yes, and um, so she separated me from the class, and I was facing the chalkboard. My desk was up against the wall, separated from the class, so my back was um, against the cla- the other, you know, my other classmates. Mm-hmm. And I was separated from the classroom to, you know, I don't know what lesson she was trying to teach me, but that, like, I mean shit I'm 34 years old and that's stuck with me right and I'm just like okay you know it's it's just yeah at a young age I just like I said I think that that's really where it kind of started um this is a little random but it reminds me of did you see there was a there was a thing kind of went viral with a little girl I cannot remember her name, but I know that the little girl who stole her pencil's name was Lizzie. Yes! <laughs> she was so cute. She, oh, yes. Now, I've seen this little girl on Instagram before, right? Because she's always giving her mom advice on yeah. this, that, and the third. But when that little girl was talking about how her pencil was not in the box, and there was Miss Lizzie yeah. who went to Canada, and now I got a friend to back me up because I know you. We all saw that you were gone as perfect pencil, you know. Yeah, perfect attendance. Yeah. But the teacher saying it's just a pencil. Yeah. Like the rest of the video, I'm like, yeah, they're little kids. That's what little kids do. Yeah. They get upset about things yeah. that look little to us, but they're yeah. huge. Because I remember, I remember first grade and my pencil. My parents brought me one back from from Maui when they went and you know, we lived in Oahu it's not like they went so far yeah we were just a different island brought it back and this girl named Sella took my pencil and everyone played it like it was no big deal so when this little girl got on I was like girl, girl it's time to mount it was just the action of that teacher that said I I have given you a prize for perfect attendance and now I'm gonna tell you it's not a big deal right it's like as adults we don't know and we don't think through how our actions affect kids because it looks little to us means nothing to us and it changes the trajectory of their life mm-hmm. so now i'm super mad at your fourth grade teacher oh, i'm like man. listen let's sit down let's have some words <laughs> yeah yeah she yep yep that and that's when like that fourth grade started at all that was like man yep i remember that year like And I don't know. I guess maybe she was just trying to do the best she could. I don't know. Cause I mean, we can always give them credit for that. It doesn't change. It doesn't change yeah. the effect that it had on you, though. Very true. Yep. My grades started slipping that year. I just I didn't want to do homework. And now, like, piecing all that together, that's the year that my mom got pregnant with my little brother. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, I was just... It's a lot to deal with. And here you are trying was. to survive. Yeah. And now was. you're facing the wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> facing the wall with By my back. <laughs> and to the rest of the Yeah, class. to the rest of the class. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I just remember I just felt kind of like, you know, well, you're a piece of trash and I'm going to go set you aside. Kind of like how I felt with my dad and you're just, I'm going to set you aside. Right. And when I want something to do with you, I will come to you and you're just, whether or not just, I come yes, to you, I'm just yeah. going to set you aside. And that's, that's just, that's just, and then I'm like. going to turn around and help all these other people flourish. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. That is a lot. And then your mind starts picking up on that pattern. Yeah. From everywhere. Yeah. And so I think that's just where it, you know, where it, it goes back to where I'm just like, man, I just don't feel loved. Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know? And I knew that, like, I think, you know, I I was a rebellious little kid. I mean, I was a little turd. Yeah. You know? No yeah. doubt. No, I absolutely don't doubt that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, I think I just I just wanted attention. I wanted my dad. I wanted my fourth grade teacher to like me. I wanted, you know, other kids. How do you say that when you're a baby? Yeah. When you're a child, how do you communicate that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've seen through multiple children that are the ages, yeah. you know, elementary school, they don't know how to communicate that. Yeah. Still yeah. even to this day, I mean, I'm getting married in August and congratulations on that thank you he's amazing we're happy he's in recovery as well um yeah he's just amazing but it's like we're talking about the wedding and I'm talking to biological dad and he's you know I'm still it's like even still now that I'm 34 years old I'm still in the middle of their yes that drama essentially drama you know I'm I've got my mom well you know, and then I've got him over there, and it's just like, you know what, like, I don't know how you're going to work through that, but, you know. But it's on you, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's on yeah. you. You yeah. work through it, and don't yeah. make it my problem. Right. It's like, yeah. it's not my problem anymore. Like, I am not going to carry your your drama rocks in my backpack, okay? Right. And on top of that, you know what, they are just, they are just rocks, and they'll do yeah. just fine on the ground. Mm-hmm. Put them down. Exactly. I felt that in my soul. <laughs> like all of that, I feel. Oh my gosh! Listen, I feel. I feel those feelings that like that fourth grade mess. So, okay, I'll tell you what. I, this is so everything in my mind. It, it feels random because it's like I had the weirdest experiences growing up. But when I turned five, my parents were in college. At least my dad was. I don't know if my mom was done or whatever. But so we lived in college housing, right? And there were um, little kids everywhere because people in college uh, with children are usually just starting out. Right? Yeah. And my parents threw a birthday party for me. Megan and Rachel. I was trying to think of the name of those sisters. <laughs> Megan and Rachel were there. And um, I had my cousins who weren't really my cousins. It was, it was a white family that was really close to us. They gave me my own pack of gum when I turned five. My own pack. Like, I didn't have to share with anyone. And it's just, it's just gum. And you remember, maybe you don't remember. Back in the day, gum used to come in a five pack. And that was it. Five pieces. Those five pieces were mine. And Megan and Rachel stole it and ate all the gum. 
like oh, in one shot, no. just shoved it in their mouth, right? <laughs> and I don't remember being like crazy upset, but I did tell my dad, I'm like, they they ate my gum. Yeah. They ate my gum. <laughs> like they stole it. It was my birthday present. This is my birthday party. Yeah. And they stole my gum and they ate it. <laughs> and their dad felt bad. And he's like, we'll buy you another pack. Oh. And my dad said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about You're it. Like, it's just a pack. Yo, I was like, we got to mount up on this man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? Don't worry about it. Who are you talking to? <laughs> yeah. But, but you yeah. know, and then you can go back through life and you can think of all the times that people have said, it's not that big a deal. And it was a big deal to you. Yeah. And just, and the way that it changed the way you handled your life. It just, it almost like it's, it's, your feelings right now are not of any value so it's just a pack of gum but you know it and it's like no and you gotta look my feelings are hurt over a pack of gum (laughs) it was my pack of gum yeah even if you said don't worry about it to him and then told me i'll buy you a new pack yeah that would have been something totally different but it was it's just a pack of gum (laughs) just like just face the wall yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! You yeah. you know what? Like I'm still not over it. Miss Williams, right? I'm yes. not over it. I'm not over it. Uh-huh. I am not over it because you know what? That is a real thing. I'm thinking about your life. You're a little kid. You've already like been away from your mom, right? Well, not were you away from her for the six years, or was uh, you just being raised? Was, by her? She would come over to grandma's a lot. Like so, she mm-hmm. was in the picture, um, and then biological dad too was. You know, I vaguely remember going and spending like every other weekend with him um and then it just stopped um and so so I was mainly away from biological yeah dad and that had the bigger Mm -hmm. effect yeah and also what affected me so my dad that adopted me and raised me Mm -hmm. my they my mom and him split up back when my heroin addiction that's right when my heroin addiction started right around that time they split up um he had went overseas um for work over in iraq um back in See, this was probably 14, yeah, about 14 years ago. And, um, yeah, she started having an affair even before he left. But he um, went over there for six months and ended up moving this guy into their house. So that was Is another. that how you knew? Because the yeah. guy was there? Well, I knew before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and And it was hard because my mom knew that I knew that she was having an affair with my dad. That was a big secret to keep. That was hard. That's that a was lot of secret for one person, so, let alone a child. Yeah, and yeah. so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go get loaded. Like, I don't even care. And I actually ended up telling my dad over the phone, Yeah. telling him, hey, so she's moved this guy in, and she's actually still with this guy, mm-hmm. um, her boyfriend. And um, so that was rough. And so they had split up, you know. Um, and I love him. I love my dad still to this day. Like he is just, he's my favorite and you know, but that was hard. It was hard because I'm like, here we are again. Like family's just crumbling to pieces, you know, Mm -hmm. again. And, and so, yeah, so that was, 
oh my gosh, it's so much. <laughs> it <laughs> was like, a lot. Because it you're giving me lot. like small pieces and it, it, it kind of like paints a picture of what the rest might have been like. Yeah. And just always, I mean, you know what? I mean, there's, I feel like in life, there's only so much you can hurt before it's just overwhelming. Yeah. And I think that's like that for everybody. There's only so much you can take before yeah. you're like, I cannot take mm-hmm. not even one second more of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I really, really started getting resentful with my mom because I'm just like, and she was mad at me when she, when she found out that I told my dad, you know, and, and, and it's hurtful that she knew that I knew, but it expected me to keep it a secret. Right. And when I found out and how I found out was I saw someone driving my dad's truck. And so I text my mom. I was like, who's driving dad's truck? Oh my gosh. Um, you and I are so different in age. Cause you text your mom. Yeah. I was you text like, my parents yeah. now. They still don't know how to use their phones. <laughs> I was just like, who's driving dad's truck? Oh, it's my boyfriend's. The trailer wouldn't fit on his truck. He's moving in. And I, that's when I was just like, this cannot I be. blew up. I was just like, okay, well, so I ended up telling my dad, and I was just so mad. I was so angry. And like I said, right around that time, that's when I, um, you know, the pain pills weren't enough. So I just, I switched to heroin, and yeah, that's when my heroin addiction started. And so. How do you let the pain go, or do you let the pain go? It still hurts. Like, uh, the holidays are really hard because we had um, little family traditions, you know, like a lot of families do. And and I remember our last Christmas together, I got all messed up and ended up passing out and missed our Christmas Eve dinner. We used to, uh, me, my little brother, my mom and dad would do shrimp and asparagus and open pajamas. And I missed that because I was too messed up. That was our last Christmas together as a family. So that still, that stings a little bit. But the holidays, yeah, the holidays are are a little rough because, you know, he was such an amazing dad. Um, he used to order these, throughout the year would order Disney character ornaments. Mm-hmm. And so just little things. And I still have those and just little traditions you know Christmas traditions or Thanksgiving things like that and it's just like man I miss that yeah you know I miss that and um and it's just you know times have changed and and it's good he's in a happy relationship now he lives in Colorado I'm so happy for them they just celebrated I think their six-year anniversary of being together so Mm -hmm. I love his girlfriend um, my mom's boyfriend now, who I used to hate, obviously. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I used to hate that guy. In fact, I even told him one time, I was like, I don't like you, and I don't need to like you. Okay. You know what? The look on your face <laughs> and the way that your head just went, yeah. uh, right? Like, if I could only explain, oh, I don't yeah. like you, yeah. and you can kick rocks. Wow. Well, and he actually is coming up on two years of sobriety, and I just, I really, you know, our relationship has flourished too, but he used to, I mean, he used to be a bottle of scotch a day kind of guy. Dude, and it's your liver. Alcoholic, and yeah, yeah and uh, he made the decision to get sober. Um, I think, I was talking to him the other day about it. I think he's like 20 months sober. He's a completely different man. Like we all are. I yeah. mean, it's like you remove the drugs and the alcohol, and it's like this other this person. person just flourishes, and it's yeah. like, 
okay, you know, and so I, I get along well with him, you know, today, and it's like, oh, I'm just, it's such a, a an amazing free feeling to not have all these resentments and you know it's like just let it go you just have like what is it does it feel better oh okay well let me yeah. let me work on that let me make yeah. my list of who I'm gonna stop <laughs> resenting <laughs> what yeah. oh my gosh and yeah Do you know, oh I just poked my own eye yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, listen, my list is, I like have a book. Oh, girl, oh, I did too. Trust and believe, I did too. When I got sober, I was like, I hate you. Yeah, right. You're not cool. Like, I just had this list. And then when I was able to, I had a, um, a mentor that she's like, okay, now you get to look internally. Hi. And see, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you get to look internally and see what part you had, what part you, you had played. in those oh, resentments. And oh. I was like, oh, okay. oh, you that was like present tense. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so it's just all a part of the, my healing process. Was like, okay, I'm super resentful. You're saying you. stuff to me that's yeah. hard. I just yeah. want you. I want you to know that you're yeah. saying stuff to me that's hard yeah. because. Clearly, yeah. like as an evolved being, I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. let me pump the brakes. This is a lot of work. Yeah. Let me start right here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how do you do it? Well, so how do you? So did you? Did you? Put it for on a lot paper. Of... I wrote it down, and I yes. wrote down all my resentments. Um, you know, and that's all a part of the twelve steps as yeah. well. You know, um, and you do. I just wrote it down on paper, and you know, figured out. Okay, I'm resentful at this person because of this reason and then it's like okay what part did I have in that and it's just something healing about looking at your own part yeah and um just taking responsibility yeah for the choices you've already yeah Yeah. and it's like you know today I get to you know at the end of the day I look throughout my day and I'm like, did I hurt someone throughout the day? Did I hurt someone's feelings? Was I resentful? Was I dishonest? Was I, you know, and I get to make that amends right away rather than having it build and build and for years and, you know, and, and it's really cool too, because I am able to, you know, it's all going back to, we, we get to teach people how to treat us. Right. And if someone hurts me or, you know, I, I get to be like, Hey, you know, we get, we get to talk. Are you available to, are you emotionally available to have a conversation with me right now? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that hurt my feelings or, you know, and it's like, it's done. It's done right there. Or, you know, and like I said, when I take my daily inventory, um, and I'm not the best at it. I'm not the best at it. There will be like a week that goes by and I'm like, Oh, a week ago yeah I probably shouldn't have said that to so and so or you know things like that like I'm not perfect by any means um but I am sure a lot better than I used to be I know that and and yeah it's just a gift sobriety is a gift when you're a person like like me I never thought I would be sober I mean I couldn't go 12 hours you know, without something. And when I finally made that decision, when I got sober, I knew that I did not want to be smoking crack anymore, doing heroin. I knew I didn't want to do those things. Some big bangers you just said. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was, and I was that person that if it was in front of me, I mean, I was, you know, taking benzos. I lo- anything and everything you put in front of me, I, no, I, just I said, yeah, sure. Any, mm-hmm. any way to numb out, I was there. Like you sign me up. Any, any thing that will make me not feel how shitty I feel internally, like I'm there, you know, and. So I got, when I, when I did check into treatment, I knew, like I said, I knew I didn't want to be, you know, on drugs anymore. And it's crazy because I remember exactly where I was standing in the group room at the treatment facility. And it was almost like this feeling. I can remember exactly how it felt. I remember exactly where I was standing and it dawned on me. I'm like, man, I should probably not drink alcohol too. I should probably just commit right now to not doing anything. And I've, since that day, I've committed and I just you know it's it's a day-to-day thing but yeah when I woke up today I'm like hey I'm not gonna drink and I'm not gonna use use drugs so it's cool I'm gonna go to the gym instead <laughs> you know just it's yeah it's just yeah I remember just committing and saying you know what I'm an alcoholic too because you know not uh, we call them normies people that are able to go to the bar and have a beer or go have mm-hmm. a glass of wine at dinner, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not needing more, 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 mm-hmm. and you're good with just a glass of wine at dinner. And for me, it's like I need a whole bottle of wine as soon as we get to the bar. I'm ordering two shots and a beer, and you know, it's just like one is too many, a million's never, you know, enough. never enough. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm grateful that I made that decision to just. No, I can't do anything because it's like zero to a hundred with anything. And so, yes, we talked about all the. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I was just oh, coming around to so that. So exciting! Just okay. No, and I have to tell you, it's so exciting. So okay, so addiction started at fourteen. That's when my you know unhealthy yeah. relationships started. I mean, my first boyfriend, I dated him for a year. And, you know, I was 14, I was a kid anyway. It was just back-to-back unhealthy long-term relationships. When I got sober and I broke it off with that guy that was trying to be all crazy and controlling, um, they say when you get into um, recovery that you should be single for a year. I, I committed. I said, sure. Yes. And then 20 minutes later. <laughs> no, uh, 20 minutes later. No, and when someone first told me, and I remember it was my, oh my gosh, my dearest friend today too, one of my favorite mentors, Dave, he said, you have to be single for a year because that's what they say. It's like a mm-hmm. rule in recovery. You need to be single for a year, work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I committed to that, and I'm so grateful that I did. I was able to connect with women, like I said, in my sober living home that are some of my best friends today. Mm. And I committed for uh, 14 months. I was I was single, and that's something that I had never experienced. I was able to work on myself and be with myself, and that was such a sacred time in my recovery to do that and just be just be not have to worry about anybody else not have to you know and it's now today like my relationship is is not perfect but you know what it's a healthy relationship right and that's something 
you know, I had mentioned that he's in recovery as well, you know, and it's a lot of people, our stories are similar, unhealthy relationships, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. And it's like, it's so refreshing and he is such a breath of fresh air that it's like, wow, we can communicate in a healthy way and we don't have to you know, lash out at each other or, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, there's that trust and it's just something that, that we both have never really experienced and it's just... So this is new for you. Yeah, it's new for both of us and so that, it's just, it's amazing and I But it's, just, it's not that new, just in case, you know, people yeah, are like, yeah. oh, so this is okay. No, no, <laughs> you guys have been together for, for a minute Yeah, now. yeah, April will be three years and we're getting married in August, so yeah, super excited, nice. and yeah, I'm just, I feel so, you know, I just, I'm so grateful for him, and for our relationship, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just far, like, if I made a list of things that I expected even to get out of my first year of recovery, I would have been selling myself short. So short. And so it's like short. Yeah. each year just keeps getting better and better. I mean, me and my fiance, we travel. We've been to Mexico like three times. I mean, just. I know, because I follow you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing. We got engaged in Seattle, and I had never been to Seattle. He took me to Seattle, and um, yeah, I've experienced a lot with this man that, like, I never even knew was possible. I mean, we travel and his family's amazing and my family loves him yeah my grandma she was like in love with him she was so cute she was like you need to marry him and yeah so you're like ooh, pop the brakes grandma yeah and and we would too we would him and I would be like okay grandma and then you know it just kind of it's funny because since my grandma has passed like you know my mom and I's relationship has gotten better Uh, Dustin and I are getting married like all these things that she had just wanted and so yeah life is good life's good I love it and actually I like I was going back to while you were talking I thought so so I made this big change right big change I kind of cut myself off and this is recently this just just recently and I'm just going to leave it in vague terms cut myself off from people Mm -hmm. certain people yeah and it's like the the negativity that came mm-hmm. and the just the complication yeah. with that relationship. Yeah. Just not having because it's not I never wanted it. I never wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. It just was like kind of impossible to get away from it. And I finally just said, Okay, we're here, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. And I'm gonna really, really, really but you know what it so that feeling of like it's okay to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. First of all, I thought that the by myself that I needed was like I need to not be married. Mm. Although that's true. I do need to not be married. <laughs> but now I'm realizing this is the relationship that I, yes. But also I, you know, I was thinking, remember we were talking last week and it was, people find their fix in different ways. Yeah. So, you know, if people yeah. can say, this is just not relatable to me. It's mm-hmm. not. But the truth is it, it probably, your whole experience is probably relatable yeah. And it's just that we all find different ways to medicate mm-hmm. the pain. Well, and I truly feel, too, that, um, you know, addiction is, I mean, it's real. And it's it's becoming mm-hmm. more talked about yeah. nowadays, um, which I think is amazing. Um, people need to be educated on it. And I truly feel that, you know, whether you're um, 
brother, your sister, your son, your, you know, cousin, whatever. I truly feel that everyone has been affected by addiction. I agree. And, you know, like you had mentioned that, you know, in a way, I think we all indulge and whether it be food whether it be there sex go. whether it be yes. shopping yes. shopping is one of my things now <laughs> when I got sober yeah. a new wardrobe you know yeah. and um and I have to reel myself Cute wardrobe. in yeah oh, yes thanks. please do Thank don't you. go broke but you look good <laughs> thanks thanks yeah, yeah it just you know it's all about being mindful and and I think too, you know, it's like I I feel I feel like it's like okay, you know, I have this problem. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was admitting that I had a problem. And that's when I was able to like start you have got me work. all in my feelings. <laughs> like like all, oh, all of a sudden oh, it's gosh. all coming like into focus here oh. where Okay, so, okay, I'm going to just tell you. Tell me. Because this sucks, because it's being recorded. <laughs> and I'm not going to edit it, because it's not fair. Uh, no, it's just, there's a, so this person, right, I've had this very long week, this week, uh. dealing with some of the things that this person has decided to do. And they weren't, it, it had nothing to do with me. They didn't do something to me, but what they did is they did something mm. to other people who normally call me when there's something going wrong. So I've been bombarded this whole week with, help me solve this. This is what's going on. And I'm thinking, man, I just, I just freed myself from that situation. Why are you calling me and bringing me back in? And I, it, it's like, it's like the biggest cloud that was hanging this week mm. was the cloud of guilt mm. for not wanting to deal with that. Right? Yeah. It's okay. like... Am I am I wrong to not want to care to be in that situation anymore? No, I I think Pella, I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy because I tend to do that. I tend to carry the emotions and and everything else from other people. Yeah. And I feel like no, I think it's healthy that you're like okay, it's a boundary. Um, when it's a healthy boundary when you're able to say I love you but you know this is how I feel and I just don't want how do you hold those boundaries so strong oh sometimes it's hard sometimes it's hard um I just try to come from a place of love and and try to be transparent transparency and love you know, and, going I, all way. and I always have to remind myself too if I've upset someone, but I've cleared and my, my side of the street is clean mm-hmm. and, you know, I've set a healthy boundary with love and transparency and um, I always have to tell myself because I hate when I hurt pre- people's feelings. I hate it. Same. Or when I make people <laughs> upset or like I make people cry and I'm just like sometimes you can only do so much. But, um, cause I'm very codependent too. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I always have to keep in the mind. The codependent side that says, yes. I'm going to take care of everything. Yes. Not the one that says, I'm going to depend on you and drown you to death in all the things I need from you. And you don't need to do that. You yeah. don't need to take care of anybody but yourself. 
and that's you a know, hard realization it to come is hard to. it is hard and I I always I have to tell myself all the time if I have you know like I said if I have hurt someone but I've kept my side of the street clean have just set a boundary mm-hmm. I always have to tell myself like if they're upset it's okay let them sit in their feelings and deal with it they'll get over it it's yes. not my responsibility to fix that person and, and it Ooh. is hard. It's hard. <laughs> and you know, I skipped working out this morning, even though we're here at the gym. No. <laughs> like, you, so one of the things you did tell me about the other day mm-hmm. was why you come. Why do you come to the gym? Oh, man. So, so one thing I did do when I got sober was realized I really like food. Food's amazing. And it I just... Is. And I started, yeah. <laughs> and so when I got sober and I was in treatment, they took us to the gym um, every day, which was amazing. So like, I got sober, I was working out for a couple months, and then I just kind of fell off and just, you know, and um, probably I think it was last May, um, I just started feeling um, a little sluggish. Uh, you know, in my health and, you know, I wasn't eating the best. And, um, so I was just like, man, I need to do something about this. And I wanted to feel better. Not so much. I mean, who doesn't want to look good, but like, I just wanted to feel better. And so, yeah. So I looked into the gyms that were around me and, um, at 45 came up. And so I signed up for the free week. I freaking hated it. I thought it was so hard. And I was like, all these people make it look so easy. And I remember, I think it was like my second class. I, I think I almost started, I think I did start crying because I couldn't do a push up. And so I went home that night and I was just like, okay, like you want to feel better and what are you willing to do to get there and so I just started coming and you know um I then that was still in that period where you're like I have come for six days in a row and I do not look different (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like that's my addict thinking right because I expect instant instant gratification oh my gosh that makes more sense I'm like oh it's you know and so it was one of the best conversations I had oh ever because I wasn't in it I was just listening to you and I was just thinking <laughs> six days huh you're like wow, you did all shit. that in six days yeah. and you got it all just yeah. go away in six days and you didn't even look bad it was I just oh, I understood God. the level of frustration yeah, yeah I just like yeah I just wanted to feel better and so I just kept coming and I kept coming and I'm still coming and the coaches here and and not a lot of people know that I'm in recovery here but no, you know no, I don't think anyone does really I mentioned um that you know I struggle with anxiety and I struggle with depression and there's times where I walk through the door at the gym and I'm just like man nobody talked to me like, <laughs> I am just miserable and by the time like I walk out out that door I am just like it's it's like my medicine I'm like I'm good and the coaches just you know you know they'll they'll you know I know that it's their job but it's like they don't understand like how much it helps me good job Amanda you got this it's like that's they're saying everything that that fourth grade teacher didn't say they're saying everything to me that that 
Ugh. <laughs> Getting emotional. Now you're They're in the field. saying everything to me that, like, I didn't hear from my mom. I didn't hear from my dad. You know, things like that. And I just love working out. I love working out. And it's been, what, God, May. So it's been, like, what, nine months? Yeah. I'm starting to see a few results. So it's good. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I love it. I love working out. And it's just something that... You know, if I if I were there's no way I could come here hungover. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, how long could you possibly survive? <laughs> I just yeah, I yeah. just and and the relationships that the people that I've met here yes. and even just the people that I've met since I've been sober. You know, nobody wants anything from me. You know, no, and I don't want nice anything feeling. from them in return. I mean, it's it's sincere. The reciprocity is just love. Yeah, it's just, it's love, and it's, you know, you can't put a price on that, and, you know, um, I do still talk to a few friends that I had that really close from high school, um, and they party, but um, a lot of people that, like, I used with and stuff, I don't really, you know, they're, it feels like another life, a different person, it feels, it just feels, it feels almost like a dream that it just wasn't even, you know, and, and people find out oh, I've been to prison, you know, cause I had, it did start out with jail and then it progressed to prison. Yeah. And, and like I said, when I got sober, I was like, man, I'm either going to die or I'm going to go back to prison. I just wasn't willing to do either. Yeah. And so I'm grateful I made that decision to want a better life. And I didn't even know that this, there was this life waiting for me. You know, um, and and I don't know, before I came to this earth, I mean, I guess maybe we were all up there and I was sitting at a table and God was like, who is willing to go through through all of these trials? And I must have raised my hand and mm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, here we go. And now it's like I've been rewarded with all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, all these amazing people in my For life. all and, of the hard work that you've done. Yes. Yes. For all of the hard work that you've done. Yeah. yeah. And it has been a lot of hard work. It has. I feel like it is just hard work day to day, but it doesn't feel as hard as it used to. It's, and yet it is still technically hard work. I will say this, that a lot of like the therapy and stuff, it was a little hard. Um, sorry. No, you're good. I know there's no tissues And I was like, where's here? the tissues? They use a Clorox wipe. <laughs> that's, that's not the same. <laughs> it doesn't feel the same. Um... Yeah, through the therapy and stuff, like, it was hard. Like I said, it was hard, like, looking inward because that's something I never was willing to do. But um, it was – it's been easy. And I think it's just – I have that personality where it's, like, it has to be my idea. Oh, yeah. If you're going to tell me to do something, I'm like, man. How about since that's your plan, why don't you execute it? (laughs) That's on you. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just – I can't really explain it. Um it's just it's been easy and it's um, definitely been worth it yeah yeah Yeah. and I think it's just you know I had to want it and before I just never really wanted it Mm -hmm. I didn't care to want it like this is I had accepted that that was my life Mm. you know in and out of incarceration DUI multiple DUIs multiple you know drug charges and you know it's just like yeah yeah crazy so then tell me this if somebody else somebody else who's struggling with 
anything that's relatable. Because mm. it, it could be drug addiction. could be a lot of things. What would you tell them? Oh, man. Um, first of all, you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, and there, there are other people out there that have been through what you're going through that are willing to reach out their hand and help you and love you until you can love yourself. Um, you know, there's, there's much better things to life than, than that isolation and feeling lonely. And, um, the opposite of addiction is connection. And, you know, that was something that, that, that I didn't, I didn't even know existed, you know, was connection. Um, so yeah, just, you're not alone and there's help out there. There's help out there. You just got to be willing to admit that you, you can't do it on, on your own. Because if we could do it on our own, we'd, we would have... Plenty of times. Done, we would have done stopped it. long ago. Right. You know? Right. So. Well, thank you. Hey, thank you for sharing. Because that You're was so like, welcome. oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm putting this out on the day of your... Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. Okay. Do you honored. want people to follow you or anything? No. no. Yeah, no, no, yeah. If you do, yeah. Kate, no, okay, so where great. can we find you? Tell that's me. That's great. That's great. Um, you follow me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram name is Amanda underscore Tylin. Um, you can tag me on that. Yes. It's probably like people it's are like, underscore T-A-I-L-Y-N. <laughs> oh, one girl, right? you're good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I seriously follow you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm on Facebook and yeah yeah and I do every once in a while I will post um you know recovery stuff and there's a lot of groups that I go to um, like meditation yoga groups that are like journaling and a lot of people are in recovery with that um you know I have a lot of friends that are in recovery I have a lot of friends that work in treatment my fiance works for a treatment center an amazing treatment center with amazing staff so um, so you've got the resources. If there's, if you need yeah. help, reach out. If you need help, I I have the resources that that can lead you in the right direction. So oh my gosh, thanks help. Yes, thank you. I'm honored that you asked me to to talk with you. Oh, because I love you. I love I you. I love you too. <laughs> I love seeing you at the gym. I call you a Panda. Oh, I love oh. it. All right. <laughs>